0: If you're into strength sports, you've probably heard of Caffeine and Kilos. They have a great brand, great coffee, and make some cool apparel. If you go to west.caffeineandkilos.com, you can get 10% off all of your purchases. Check out the website, show them some love, and buy some cool shit. Oh, I've been running from the law.
1: right, I'll, I'll start. Uh, so before COVID, before the quarantine, I hadn't worked with you yet, Yeah, Toby Hansen. And, and Wes would work with you and Dave would work with you and they'd come in and I would just hear stories about Toby and it'd just be like, Wes like, oh man, Toby got into my trap today and it was terrible. But at the same time, he's getting these immediate results. And so in my mind, I'm just, they're saying you're this Swedish guy. and In my mind, you're just this uh, mythical creature. <laughs> Toby, <laughs> the miracle worker, the healer. So um yeah, just tell us about yourself, uh kind of how you got into what you're doing now and, and what that what that is.
2: Yeah, well, I, I grew up in Sweden and uh I always loved sports. Um I was a kid, I was dreaming of becoming a professional soccer player or hockey player. And I was very, very dedicated. I mean, I I was out practicing for hours on my scale. But when I was about 16, I realized that that's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. There was a number of reasons for that. We don't need to go into that now. But And I think all people that love sports have gone through that sometimes when they realize maybe the dream is not going to happen. It's kind of like a heartbreaking at first. And a couple of things happened. My dad had always been into fitness. He used to lift weights all the way back in 1958. Back then, the gyms, they were underground in Sweden. And there was no signs where the gym was. Mm-hmm. The only people that lifted weights was boxers, professional boxers and anyone else who lifted weights would be considered weird why would you lift weights you know and so uh, my dad was very early he started lifting weights doing bench press and nut squats was all upper body and (laughs) And then he had like a bull walker which was a thing you push together and those things with springs and work yeah 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 yeah. And, (laughs) and you could do biceps with it you could do triceps with it so he had all of that growing up and so i kind of got inspired and when I realized that I wasn't gonna be a pro athlete, I needed to have something else. I think it was a number of things that happened. I watched Pumping Iron and I saw Rocky, the first movie. And after Rocky, we had, my dad had weight so we went down in the basement, and I worked out till three in the morning lifting weights, yes. <laughs> I just pumped up. It's <laughs> <That's> a great <laughs> movie, <laughs> and, and, <Yeah. laughs> and, and, and all of that, with looking up to Arnold, and then in Sweden, this this was in the late 70s was when, bodybuilding just exploded, gyms came up all over, was the in-sport, everyone was 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 doing, a lot of people mm-hmm. was doing. So I then start doing natural bodybuilding, figuring out I need to have a sport, I need to have something I could focus on. wasn't so much thinking about competing, just having something I could practice and yeah. something I could do. And with that come a lifestyle then, how do you eat healthy, how do you take care of yourself, how do you Try to improve your physique, and like Arnold said, it's almost like being a sculptor. you look at your body okay, I want to add a little here, I want to take away a little here and and to me, it's almost like the Japanese art of bonsai trees mm-hmm. and if you've ever seen that it's almost it's a form of meditation. You basically sit with this little tree and you trim it, and you trim it, and you trim it. You are completely into it. You think about nothing else. It's like meditation. You're not thinking, when I'm done with this tree, I'm going to do five more trees or your last tree. You're just thinking about this Very tree. present. Yeah. I gave I-
0: my wife one, a bonsai tree, um, and, and I had the seeds, and she planted the seeds, and we got the sapling, and then... Uh, She put it outside, and it absolutely just (laughs) by the sun. The the opposite of meditation. So our bonsai tree experience was not the same.
2: (laughs) But then, but then the whole thing with bonsai tree, and I think there's a lot to this because you know a tree it breathes out CO two, a a tree breathes out oxygen, and it needs CO two, and you breathe out CO two, and you need oxygen. So you sit, and you have this interaction with the tree, and it's something like you never get done. The whole idea is not getting done. The whole idea is completely lose yourself in the activity. Yeah. And so to me, that's what bodybuilding become. And then I start thinking about what am I going to do for a career? And I was considering becoming a PE teacher or consider physical therapy, consider chiropractic. Yeah. And there was a new school uh, that had like a presentation, the dean of this school. It was called the Alternative Institute Institute. Uh, Uh, And it was basically teaching acupuncture, acupuncture philosophy, acupressure, something called apply kinesiology, which is muscle testing. And I went to that presentation, I was just, wow, this is what I want to do, because this is all about how to improve the quality of life. How to, in a holistic approach, understand uh, why someone is in pain, understand why their life is not at peace and then help steering them to do that. Mm -hmm. And so now I've been practicing for 36 years, um, you know, and it's like the bonsai tree. You never get done. You never, people might call me a master, but I never think of myself as a master because the moment I think I'm a master, then there's nothing more to learn. Right, And so every day you learn every day you try to get better and this is what becomes so fascinating so now my dream of becoming a professional athlete didn't happen but i'm working on world-class athletes like you guys and for now for what is it 30 years worked with nfl players with the sharks with mma guys yeah uh, yeah had a number of famous athletes and uh I get to help them become the best they could be, right, and my job is to get someone that come either with an injury or uh, with some mental emotional hang up in their sport to find out where is this blockage in your body or in your mind, and how can I release that so that you could immediately see changes, changes in your range of motion, changes in your posture changes in your strength, changes in your state of mind. And so so they say in in Eastern philosophy that the master doesn't know the difference between working and playing. To him, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. So I'm very blessed. My work is I work, but I'm playing. It's not really work for me. And that's kind of the same thing goes with the bonsai tree because... Thinking about, I never get done, it's not about getting done, it's the journey. And thinking about never getting done or reaching some kind of masterhood, learning every day and continue to get better. Mm -hmm. And then apply that philosophy to everything you do in life, to your own health, to your own fitness, to your own relationships, to your practice and try to live like that and that's what my two books that i wrote came Mm -hmm. out about eventually then fine-tuning all this eastern philosophy that shaolin priests and zen masters and samurais used to become the best they could be and then teaching this way Um, you guys had kiko on here before kiko (laughs) loves this stuff and he's all (laughs) into musashi which is uh, story about a samurai that's talking about the world, the word the way of the sword which is basically mastering swordsmanship but as this character realized then that it's not only swordsmanship it's life and so kiko and i have our uh, discussions here and, and he loves this stuff because it's the way of the linebacker it's the way of the olympic weightlifter it's the way of the therapist, the way of the bodybuilder, the way of the father, the way of the mother. Basically, this commitment to never ending growth in mm-hmm. learning and enjoying the process. Yeah.
0: Hey guys, Wes here. Wanted to take a minute to thank one of our sponsors, California Strength. If you're looking for some awesome weightlifting program that happens to be exactly what the team and I follow here in the gym, head to californiastrength.com. For a 15% discount, use promo codes Wes15 for the Club program and kits 15 for the Elite program. If you're serious about weightlifting and getting better, join our team. I can draw so many parallels to that. Like even something so like Arnold inspiring your dad to lift weights, which inspired you to also find you know, your career now essentially is exactly what happened to me. My yeah. dad was a huge Arnold fan. He did a local bodybuilding show in Knoxville. And, uh, he had these pictures that, you know, my mom showed me when I was a kid and seeing him, you know, like all cut up and like huge for that show, like made me want to work out. Like as soon as I, like yeah. I was a little kid and I was just like, yeah. well, when can I get a six pack? Like when can yeah. I start lifting weights? Yeah. And he's like, well, you gotta wait till you're a little older and we'll, you know, we'll get you going. I'll show you how to but anyways, like Arnold essentially in, inspired me to do what I do now and like the same yeah. as you. So it's crazy yeah. that like the one man doing one thing, you know, what 40 or 50 years ago can inspire like yeah. all the, like I mean, if you there's probably so many people that can like draw their like their work lineage yeah. back to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. unbelievable. No, no, so to me,
2: I mean, so my dad inspired me to weightlifting, but he didn't see pumping iron. I saw pumping iron, but, okay. but, but with you're the work, Arnold with, fan. With, or, I'm the Arnold <laughs> <laughs> I, even moved, I even moved to the United States in California because of Arnold. Really? Because I want to be like Arnold. I want the American dream. I want to move to California. I didn't know that Northern California was not the same thing as Southern California. <laughs> I was close, disappointed that the beaches were not this warm. This Venice Beach. <laughs> this is <laughs> Venice Beach. San Francisco. Where's the Muscle Beach? I'm freezing my ass off in San Francisco. And then like
0: the the bonsai tree, you know, like you're never you're never done. Like so many times I feel that in weightlifting too. You know, you're working on this snatch technique, you're working on the clean and jerk technique. Yeah. not only is your technique never done, but even if you feel like you lifted perfectly this day, you could always put another kilo on yeah. the bar. exactly so it's like exactly. it it never ends no matter I, where I think you that's get. It's almost like
1: if you can look at what you're doing. You know, weightlifting is something we all have a clock, you know, a lot of times we look at our competitive career and we're like, there's no way I'm going to be doing this in 10 years. Right. When I'm, when I'm 45, but if you can look at weightlifting or look at what you're doing with that mentality of, I'm not, I'm not shooting for a certain number. I'm looking, I want mastery. I want to, to to master this movement and always be improving. It just gives your, your career and your, the life of your hobby, some vitality. Like it doesn't have to come to a point where like. Okay, I'm done now, yeah, I can just like let this go, but it is just the same because that's always, because it's, you it's never meditation. you're never done
2: yeah and so this is so this whole concept then uh which is explained in Chinese five element theory uh in Tao in the way um in all those books is basically saying that every time you successfully do something you go through four stages and and every time you fail in something, you fail in one of those four stages. Mm-hmm. And then to look at every pain, every failure, at where did, you, where did you go wrong, and then to realize that it's okay, tomorrow I could learn from this and I could, could go out and I could better myself. And I think the biggest difference is in Eastern philosophy, they don't look at goals, they look at purpose. In West, we're all goal-oriented. Sure. And so people have this goal, I need to reach this goal, I need to reach this goal, I need to reach this goal. And they are thinking so much about reaching the goal and setting the goals that they're not able to be here right now. Right. I mean, you come to work on Monday and say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, okay, for a Monday. And then it comes another, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, happy Friday. And so I'm saying to him, why is Friday happy? What's wrong with Monday? You know, <laughs> It's like, are you saying that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is just a means to an end to get to Friday? And then I'm happy. And then the damn thing never lasts because it's Monday again before yeah, I know it. And I then think. it's Sunday and I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> but many people live their life yeah, like that. And yeah, so why are you not happy on Monday? Oh, I have to go to work. What do you mean you have to go to work? You don't want to go to work? Would you be happier if you never had to go to work? No, not really. The whole concept of thinking that I'm going to get happier when I get to my goal. And what happened then is I say, okay, when I get to my goal, when I, when I finish my school, I'll be happy. When I get married, I'll be happy. When my kids get out of school, I'll be happy. When I retire, I'll be happy. When I win my gold medal, I'll be happy. The thing is that one of three things is going to happen. Either I don't get there. Or it takes a lot longer than I thought to get there. And the third thing is that whenever I get there, the damn thing never lasts because it becomes something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you have purpose, if your purpose is to master something, then it's never ending. Yeah. I never master. Every morning I commit to be, do better than I did yesterday. I look at what worked yesterday. I do more of it. I looked at what didn't work yesterday. I tweak it a little bit. Then I get into it, I get engaged, I enjoy it. And then at the end of the day, what was the result? What did I learn instead of beating myself up? And then I focus on remember what I learned, eat well, sleep well, come back next morning and do it better. And if I always are clear on what I want, committed, if I always get engaged and enjoy what I do, if I always focus on what I learned, And I'm going to get a little bit better every day. Right. And over time, I win a lot more than I lose. And that's the concept of a purpose because the purpose is never ending. The goal has a beginning and an end. And I won't be happy until I get
1: there. It's just always you're kicking it down the road. Like there's always a different thing you can look for. And there's always another step of, you know, I'll be happy once I get this. And then once you get it, there's just another thing that's always in front of you
0: yeah and the problem with the like the goal you know if you're just goal motivated um you hit your goal, and if you haven't already considered what's next or like where like where what's the next improvement or where's the next target, um your motivation is gonna take yeah. a toll too like yeah. you you finally you know you hit this pinnacle you know what what whatever it is, you get there and now it's done. Well, you might be happy the next day, or the next day, or a week later, or a month later. But eventually, you're going to be bored, yeah, because yeah. you're not going to have any purpose. Anymore. Exactly. Yeah, you can only yeah. look at a medal exactly. or an achievement, accomplishment for so long before now you're just you know purposeless. Right. You, like you, you know?
2: you're living in the past because when you're no longer growing, you're slowly dying. And Bruce Lee said, "A goal is not always meant." to be reached, sometimes it's just something to aim for. Yeah. And if you think about it, think about this, what if every goal you set up happened 100% of the time? It'd be fun in the beginning, you'd be like that movie uh, Bruce Almighty, remember when he was <laughs> God and everything happened the way he wanted yeah. to, but after a while it'd be freaking boring, it'd be yeah. like a disaster. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, life is not supposed to always happen the way you want to. So in flow, which is basically, you might have heard about flow, which is a, a psychological term, which is also being called being in this zone, which mm-hmm. is also the same as this Eastern philosophy, um, which which the, the Chinese have a word for. Uh, when you're in flow, there's a formula. There's a formula between challenge and skill. And Dave knows this. When you guys come in for a training program, he raised the bar, but he doesn't raise the bar so high so you can't make it. Right. Because if you raise the bar every day so high when you train so you could never make it, you'd be getting stressed out, it won't be fun, and you would quit. If you raise the bar so low so it was easy all the time, you'd be bored. bored. So the key is to raise the bar to where you have a chance to make it, but you're not 100% sure you're going to mm-hmm. make it. So raising the bar is a goal. you have a purpose of master weightlifting, but every day you set incremental goals you're going to make them some days and some days not but the key is to set the bar in proportion to where your skill is because if you set the bar too high it's not going to be good if you set it too low it's not going to be too Mm -hmm. good yeah
0: they've always uh you know, we, we'll get in programs and sometimes you, we feel like we're biting off more than we can chew. You know, we'll get to yeah. a day or a workout where you're just like smashing your face against the wall and it's not budging. Like You yeah. can't tear this wall down, <laughs> You can't make this lift. And, you know, what he says is that we're not meant to make every lift on our program. There's going to be days where yeah. you're going to struggle yeah. and you're going to have to take a, a loss. But, you know, if we won every single day and made every single lift. Odds are we're not pushing ourselves hard enough yeah. and we're not improving and we're gonna be complacent, expecting expecting to make every lift and not expecting to work as hard as we can yeah. until we fail or until we make a mistake. So it yeah. is that uh, you know, it's that grind to the to the max, like going yeah. as hard as you can until you you fail. Ultimately it's gonna propel you into that next level. Yeah. It's not always about success every single you day. You know, I
1: almost feel like on days like that where It is very much so, you know, what's programmed, it's kind of a toss of the dice. Like you may or may not make it. I feel like I do learn more if I get a a miss in there, you know, because if I have a sketchy make, I'm not going to go back and and review why it was like that. I'm going to move on because I made it versus if I just flat out miss, then you can kind of adjust a little bit and be like, okay, (laughs) this is what I need to work. Yeah, get pissed (laughs) off, make it. But, you know, you adjust and you get better from that second attempt or at least mentally, you know what to change, right?
2: But, but that's what this whole philosophy is so great, because there really is never a miss. it's just a learning experience. And my feeling is you learn more from what we call mistakes, mm-hmm. but if we learn, it's no longer a mistake. Yeah, you learn so if we, much if, every if, day. If, <laughs> if we, if, no, but if we adjust a little bit, and we miss, miss it again, well then we adjust a little bit again, maybe we miss again, we adjust a little bit again, and then, wow, we made it. Yeah. But that's for a trial and error. And mm-hmm. so the whole question is is the glass half full or half empty? What's the difference between a half full and half empty glass? Yeah. What's the difference? The same mindset. Yeah. It's just whether you focus on what you learn or you focus on what you should have done, you dumbass. <laughs> but it's still the same thing. You could frame it I learned this and this and this. You could write it down. You could go home and read it over. And you could say, hey, If I remember this and change this, I'm going to be so much better. Or you could say, you dumbass, you idiot, you suck, you're a loser. Yeah. Then you beat yourself up. Then you didn't learn anything. Then most likely you're going to have to do the same mistake over again.
1: So, so much of what you teach and what you kind of practice with us and the people you're working on is like very fundamental sports psychology. Yeah. So when you were kind of... Um, going through school and figuring things out, was that a huge aspect of what you're doing? Or were you really only uh, formally trained in body work, kinesiology, and then the sports psychology aspect you just kind of picked up along the way because you, you know, you realized that there was so much more to treating people than I got a tight neck and I'm going to roll it. Yeah,
2: Yeah. that's a very good question because really – so, so let's take that back to what acupuncture really is because acupuncture was my first love. And acupuncture is first the technique which you have to know where the reflex points are and then you need to learn how to insert the needles in them and if you don't use needles you use pressure which i use more now but people use sometimes laser sometimes use electrical stimulation Mm -hmm. you could even use cupping on acupuncture rocks you use rocks there's there's different ways basically acupuncture system is if you imagine that your whole body is covered by circuit breakers and then Depending on what stress, external or internal stress you have, external stress is physical stress, use, abuse, overuse, okay? Overload. If I work out too hard, I don't have enough recovery time, I don't sleep good enough, I don't get nutrition, Well, I'm going to break down more than Mm -hmm. I'm building up. But then you have nutritional stress, environmental stress, mental, emotional stress, and all of it manifests as tension either in your body or in your mind. When it, it then manifests itself all in the muscles as reflex points. So the muscles is what help us move around, but it's also a protective shield. And it's in that, in that armor that we find the chinks in the armor. Those chinks in the armors are those reflex points where we build up tension, and that tension then eventually develop injury and pain. Mm-hmm. So in acupuncture, they said thousands of years ago that the master could find one point stimulate the point and then the person here and so what they say is that there's only one injury or one disease whether it's of the mind or the body is the name of the disease is called stagnation and the name of the remedy is called circulation so when you find where the tension is you stimulate the tension you release the tension then you restore the circulation And then the body heals itself. And so acupuncture, when I read it in the old books on how it was 4,000 years ago, have those theories. But then you have to understand that communism came to China with Mao, and they were against any religion. So everything that was philosophical was thrown away as religion. And now they had a problem because they were very poor and had people that was acupuncturists, and they didn't have doctors. So they developed something called the barefoot doctors. They told them you could practice acupuncture, but none of this philosophical mumbo jumbo. Yes, go in and treat them for headaches or knee pain or back pain or whatever. And so acupuncture now became watered down. They took away the philosophy. They took away the understanding. And so... What my work has been my whole life, trying to understand by looking at a person, where do they hold their tension in the body and mind? What is the stress factor that caused the tension? How can I release the tension? And how can I teach this person not to make this happen to Mm -hmm. them again? And so, like I said, the Chinese then used either needles, pressure, cupping, moxibition, which is a hot, heat burning herb or they use food to heal people, or they use herbs, or you might have heard about Tai Chi, Qigong meditation. And the final, the highest way of teaching someone how to heal was to teach them how to live. So the emperor had his own acupuncturist, and if the emperor died, they killed the ac- acupuncturist because he didn't do his job <laughs> And the is who knows if this true now, is that those emperors lived until 100 or 200 years of age. Yeah. But even like in the Bible, they have those things, people lived to 200. Yeah. And who knows if they didn't know how to count or whatever, but obviously they lived to an <laughs> old age, which is very fascinating then. Because to me, and this is what I spent, this is a long answer. All those years, I constantly look for a way of how to understand and how to explain why someone is not at peace, why they're suffering, why they're in pain. And then correct this, both by releasing the tension in their body, giving them stretching exercise to keep that muscle relaxed, giving them strengthening if they have weak muscles that need to be assisted, and teaching them how to change their way of thinking, their way of being, their attitude, and their personality traits. So all of that works and helping them Getting back into that harmony where they could be the best it could be mm-hmm. or the most it could be.
1: Yeah, man, it's so interesting because I would say I uh, I would almost identify self-identify as more of a cynical person. Yeah. So you know when uh, typically if you hear stuff like that, it's so easy to write off and it's so easy to eye roll and just be like, oh, that stuff is, doesn't exist. And I remember working with you one time. Um, I think you were just treating me for my hip. And I just was mentioning other things. I had this breathing problem at the time. And you went into this almost like psychologist role. And you asked me about my stress levels, which I think across the board, it's high, especially right now, right? With the quarantine and everything, it was high. And then you're asking like, oh, well, you asked about um, if I was having stomach pains and I was, and if I was having uh, like frequent diarrhea and TMI, but I absolutely was. And so it was Amazing to me first that you identified these things mm-hmm. and then what you actually physically worked on me um, helped because you got into my abdomen. You did. You, you stuck yeah. your middle finger pretty much to my spine and my abdomen. It was the most painful thing I'd experienced, but it actually really helped. And uh, I had mentioned that I was having trouble breathing. Yeah. So at night and I just chalked it up to like my traps are super tight. I'm laying in bed and I just can't take a full breath. And you You gave me these breathing exercises, but then you kind of just talked to me about like um, anxiety, really, Mm -hmm. and and pressure that I put on myself and all this other stuff. And, you know, I haven't had that issue since I've been doing these breathing exercises, you said, and I've just been kind of trying to, I guess, meditate at night and. Before I would have maybe still kind of wrote that stuff off, and then after experiencing that and after kind of like solving my own issue with actually just focusing on it and and allowing myself to to relax a little bit Mm -hmm. and it helped i was like damn okay so maybe there is something to this so it's it's just interesting like (laughs) you, you take it so far back to the origin of acupuncture, yeah, and I'm like, okay, where
2: are you going with this? And it, it eventually comes around like, oh shit, yeah, okay, I'm I'm on board. But you don't know how great that example is right now because that will help me explain how all of this works by you sharing that story. Remember, I said there is four phases of what to do. There's a beginning phase, they call that metaphorically spring when I make a commitment or I plant a seed. There's a summer phase when I water and I weed and I labor in what I'm doing. There's a fall phase when there's a harvest, so there's an outcome of what I did and I learn or, you know, succeeded and always learn. Then there's a winter phase when it's time to relax and recover and turn off and you were mentioning to me that you had a hard time falling asleep and you were laying in bed and thinking about how hard the lifts were going to be the <laughs> next day. And I said, so... Yeah, so, verbatim. So, 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 there was something to that extent. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah. <laughs> so, so my point here is not when there's beginning, that's when you make a decision. You can't wait until the evening to make the decision. When you work at it is when you work at it, you can't think about after I should have worked on it. Mm -hmm. When you when it comes to an end, well, this is what it is. You could either learn from it or you could hate yourself. And then when it's time to rest, it's time to rest. Now, if you're not resting where it's time to rest, you're either thinking about, oh, I sucked, or you're already thinking (laughs) about next day, then you're not present doing what you're supposed to do, which is relaxing. And sleeping, right. and when someone train as hard as you guys, and I mean, there's some mornings I come here, you guys are working out, and then and then uh, I leave and whatever. I come back and then and then uh, it's five six o'clock at night, and you guys in here training still. You've been here freaking all day, <laughs> yeah. and I'm gonna say every day. And and so if you don't have good enough recovery, you cannot come up back next day and lift more than you did the day before. Because it's when you sleep, your body repairs itself. So the quantity and quality of sleep is what determine whether you're going to be able to go out and work out harder next day. Now, when your mind is overstimulated, your sympathetic nervous system is overstimulated. And you have thinking about stuff and the quarantine and the COVID and and tomorrow we're going to lift really heavy. And and (laughs) because, trust me, I know from being in bodybuilding, when you keep raising the bar, you come to a weight when you get a little bit scared. Yeah. And you're thinking about this next weight. I'm a little bit scared. This is... and, and when you lay there in bed and you're supposed to sleep and you have those thoughts, how could you possibly get deep sleep? Right. You're in fight and flight. And so the breathing exercise is a form of meditation where you quiet your mind and you stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system which allows you to fall into deeper sleep, which allows you to wake up more rested, which allows you to recover more.
1: Yeah, I think that was a, a, an important distinction to make too. Is you brought it back to something that was physiological, yeah. bringing up the parasympathetic versus the sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. And, you know, we hear about meditation now. And if you are a true cynic, you're just like, nah, that's mumbo jumbo. But then you, you attribute it to an actual physiological mechanism the nervous is the central nervous system you're like okay yeah there there is some yeah. legitimacy to that and sure enough it it worked really
2: well yeah. I mean, some of those Shaolin priests, they could lower their blood pressure by just focus on deep breathing. They could lower or raise the body temperature. I mean, there's, I think you could go on YouTube, there's a video about some Shaolin priests up in Tibet and it's freezing cold and the windows are open. They're sitting there just in some thin robes. They put wet blankets on them and they film those monks while they're sitting and meditating. And you could see steam coming up from the blankets. For I half an hour, that, yeah. and then they go up and they take the blankets completely dry, and the monks are perfectly fine. They didn't have hypothermia or anything, mm-hmm. and and so, and you heard of this uh, one in Holland. Mm-hmm. There's so yeah. much that could be done with breathing, and um, and if you think about it, when you focus completely on your breathing, then you're completely present here and now. But if you lay in bed and either think about your lift that sucks or all the lifts you're going to do tomorrow, then you're either in the future or in the past and you can't fall
1: asleep. So just like the the bonsai tree, like you're not exactly. dwelling on what's already happened and you're not um, overthinking or, or um, just worried about what's going to happen in the future. That example of the four seasons, you know, it's just it's really just about being present. Mm -hmm. And whatever it is you're doing right then, focus on it. And then once it's behind you, let it be behind you and just keep moving forward.
2: It's doing the right thing at the right time and being completely present when you do it. So every morning you wake up, okay, how can I be better today than I was yesterday? Uh, What did I do yesterday? What worked? This and this and this. Okay, now I could do more of that to perfect that. What didn't work yesterday? Well, this and this didn't work. Okay, how can I tweak that a little bit different? And then once I made my commitment to make this, my commitment to have a better workout today, because so even in my workouts, every workout I do, I try to be stronger than the previous workout. Mm-hmm. I write down the weight I lift and the repetitions I lift. And then every workout should be better than the previous workout. If my workout is not better than the previous workout, it means one out of the five things. A, I didn't learn from my mistakes mm-hmm. last time. b, I'm not fully recovered, quantity, quality of sleep and food. C, I'm not fully committed or I lack desire. Or D, I'm not fully engaged or into it. Yeah. It's always one of those four. And so if I use the same time frame to do the same exercises, then I should either be able to do more repetitions or more weight. And if I'm not, it means one of those four, which means sometimes I need longer recovery time to be able to do it. Sure. And of course, not everyone will be stronger, but if I learn from it, why am I not stronger today? I could then make adjustments. And so what is my purpose? Can I be into it? What am I learning? How can I remember what I learned? Turn off, relax, and go back next and do it better in a never-ending cycle, whether it's Olympic weightlifting, whether it's your personal fitness, whether it's your own health, whether it's your career, your business, your relationships, being a father, a mother, a husband, wife, whatever it is. So I know in weightlifting it's so easy, just in sports in general, anything
1: that's you do at a high level, it's so easy to fall into that trap of like being disappointed if you didn't hit your number yeah. and self-deprecating and yeah. focus only on the things that you do bad versus this idea of yeah, staying present and uh your bonsai tree and moving forward. So what what could you say um To anyone listening if they're struggling with something like that and and focusing on these things that you're saying to focus on
2: how can they find that and get back to that
1: versus falling into that trap of being a little more
2: negative i can't tell you how many world-class athletes i had that i had to work with on that and i can't tell any names now but when someone says oh i should have done this i should have done better i should have done more I'm so pissed off at myself. (laughs) Then I asked them, okay, so did you deliberately try to disappoint yourself and screw up? No, not deliberately. So that means you did the best you could. No, I could have done better. What do you mean you could have done better? Well, I could have done this and this and this. So then I said to them, so when you were doing it, were you aware of this and this and this? Did you know this and this and this? Because.'" If you were aware of it and you know it, you would have done it. But how could you, in retrospect, come back and say you should have done something that you either weren't aware of, didn't know, were distracted, or had forgotten? Mm-hmm. That means you did the best you could based on the state of mind, the energy you were in in that time. Now, if you beat yourself up, you're not learning anything. Right. So you have to change that inner dialogue because if you constantly chastise yourself, then you're not learning anything you're going to go back and beat yourself up again it makes you very driven and so i have a perfect story on this about 20 years ago i used to think that i didn't have a good day unless every single one of my patients walked out without pain and then i had about 18 people a day and i kid you not probably 16 walked out without pain but was i happy with that no who am i thinking about I'm thinking about the tunes. I think get yeah. better, <laughs> you know. I'm driving. Oh, I suck, or I need to do better. And how could I charge the money on the weekends? I was thinking about. It. <laughs> and so people saying, "Hey, look at what you're doing! This is amazing!" And I said, "No, nah, it's, it's like I need to be better." I myself never thought it was good. enough. I was constantly beating myself up. Now you could say, "Yeah, I was very driven. I wrote books, I did things, and driven, driven, driven." But in my own mind, I was never ever satisfied. Right. So then I realized that my definition of success didn't work. I realized that I had to be perfect to be successful. And since perfect was always a little bit better, I was never going to be successful. Yeah. So perfect is like the horizon. It's like mastery. I could walk there, but it's always a little bit <laughs> out of yeah, reach. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so then I heard this story, and I don't know if it's true or not, but Thomas Edison, the inventor, was doing an experiment For a month, he did a thousand experiments. And after a month, his assistant said to him, "Um, Why don't you quit? You've done this experiment a thousand times. When you quit, you failed a thousand times. Thomas Edison, yes, looked at him and says, I haven't failed a thousand times. I have successfully found a thousand ways which wouldn't work. (laughs) And what is the difference? Mindset. If you focus on what you learn, and you keep tweaking it, by process of elim- elimination, you will eventually get it. And that's how you invent the light bulb. Yeah. But you have to have that mindset. So rather than saying, you failed again, you idiot, I hope no one saw you, <laughs> you say, okay, what I learned this time, you write it down, try a different one, okay, what I learned this time. And when you think of what you did as a learning experience, then you actually have a harvest, you actually accomplish something. But when you think you failed a thousand times, you feel like crap. Yeah. And so by just changing that, so I started 20 years ago, say to myself every morning, I always do my best, I always learn, I get better every day. I still say it, I always do my best. If someone didn't get better and I feel bad for a second, said, so did you deliberately try not to help that person? Of course not. Okay, what did you learn? Because I'm not supposed to help every single person right. 100% of the right. time. Could you imagine if I ever found that touch? I freaking wouldn't be able to walk into the supermarket. People would chase me down, right. <laughs> you know?
0: So, like, uh, you hear that, that like, never satisfied, like, always hungry, full-time, like, drive mindset. Like, people preach that. And, um like, really productive people preach that. And they say that this is kind of the way to be productive. And, uh, you know, I would say in a way, you know, in a, in a lot of cases, like switching gears and finding drive actually will uh, create productivity and make you mm-hmm. better in a way. But there is, there's obviously a point of uh, of no or of less returns. Like you get to a point where yeah. now you're beating yourself up. So how do you find the balance of you're hungry and driven and motivated, um, but like not to the point? where you're tearing yourself down. Yeah.
2: So, so I'm very glad you said that because I didn't finish that in my story. There is even people that say, so you mean I should just say I did my best? I'm gonna be complacent. I could tell you that today, 20 years later, I still expect every single patient walk out of that pain. <laughs> <laughs> and the only difference is I don't beat myself up and I could tell you I'm a whole lot better today than I was 20 years ago. Yeah. So if you are looking at life as a purpose, that I wanna master what I do, and I realize that I will never ever reach mastery, Mm -hmm. and every day I take joy in getting better, then I don't need any drive, I love every day, I love the challenge, and I love to learn. And if it doesn't work, I come back again, and try it again, and I try it again until it works. And, And so if a person have this mindset, see, I'm not complacent. I've written two books, I've seen over 140,000 patient visits and when it comes to everything I do, including my own fitness, probably being in my life best fitness at 60, I constantly try to be better. I'm not complacent, but I stopped beating myself up (laughs) and I start focus on what I learned. And so with that, I get a sense of accomplishment, but it doesn't take away my drive of continue to get better because I get satisfaction in learning and I get satisfaction in getting better and growing. It's kind of
0: like a pedal on a bike. Like on one pedal, you've got drive and motivation. On the other side, you've got like uh, like, like you did a good job, like self, like satisfaction yeah. and like appreciation and knowing that you're doing your best. Yeah, so it's like, I it's need to work hard. Yeah. You did good, or like you worked hard. You did your
2: best. You did your best. Because think about, and I love that. I never heard that analogy. I'm gonna to have to I use just made way. it up. Did you? Yeah, I should probably write a book. Yeah, <laughs> you you write a book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should <laughs> probably write a think book. Think about this. Cycling, it, to, a memoir, every, <laughs> every, Think about this. Everyone that beat themselves, did they deliberately try to fail? No, you rarely and try to if fail, they did, yeah. If they deliberately tried to fail, then they're successful because they failed. You can quit. You just (laughs) blew my mind. In that case, I had a great training day. I was very successful. No, but the key is to take the time with a journal to write down, what did I learn? And then read this journal to yourself repeatedly to where you get better and better Mm -hmm. and better. And you have to, because if I if I just say what I learn, but I don't repeat it to myself, then I could learn it. What good is it to learn something if I don't remember it? I'm going to have to learn the same lesson over again. Right. But if I learn something every day, if I write it down in a journal and I keep reading this journal over and over and over, now I'm making changes. Yeah. But... but Trust me, 20 years later, I still have moments when I sleep in that tap oh fuck, I suck. And then oh, did you deliberately try to suck? Oh, of course not. Okay. Now what did you learn? Oh, don't give me that shit. Like my wife <laughs> my <laughs> wife would even my wife would even say to me, Hey, what does your book say about that? Why don't you read your yeah. book? I, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I know she's right. And then I just thought, okay, all right. <laughs> Snap myself back in yeah. again, you know?
1: Wow. So there is a there it's just, it takes work and it takes oh, yeah. accountability. The never ending. Yeah. It's it's like the yeah. purpose. It is it's never hard.
2: ending, but it's mastery of life. It's never ending. Yeah.
1: It is something that I think 90% of um, weightlifters and then most likely high level athletes is just something that we could all work on. Something oh. that we could all just be a little better at because the stuff we do in the gym is easy compared Damn. to that. And then, you know, there's all these other outside factors, your nutrition, Your mindset, journaling, stuff like that, that's just so much stretching. Your school, your personal relationships,
2: uh, all of this, we're constantly bombarded of stress. Stress is basically any time you're not in peace with what's happening. Is your gut in peace with what you ate? Is your eyes in peace with the pollen in the environment? Is your mind in peace with what your girlfriend told you? you know are you you see what i'm saying yeah. so your bank account uh, in peace uh, so you can't work for three that $1000 yeah. lego can, can, purchase well <laughs> you can't work for 3 months how could you be at peace still oh, yeah. it's hard and, and so 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 therefore life is this constant challenge where, where how do we find a way to find our balance with the circumstances we have how do we play to win with the cards we're dealt today mm-hmm. Because you always want to play to win. If if you don't believe you could win and if it's not fun playing, why would you play? Right. And so sometimes you could win with shitty cards and sometimes you could lose with good cards. You play to win yeah. and with whatever cards you get that day. And and it's hard. Sometimes it's really hard because you think the whole world is falling apart and everything sucks and you're ready to throw in the towel, you know? Yeah. happens to everyone.
0: Yeah. Uh, the first is one of the first times I came in was, uh, because I just had that wrist surgery and my wrist was locked up. We knew we had to beat that scar tissue up out of there. And, uh, you know, this was right in the middle of world championships, Rome. I mean, we're doing I'm in the thick of Olympic qualifications and my training wasn't going the way I wanted it to. And the competitions, um, also, you know, I was not competing the, the, at the level that I expected to. And, you know, I'm, sitting in Toby's office and he's like, "Well, did you did you do your best?" And I'm like, get, "I'm like getting broke down, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> and your wrist worked on,
1: like, tortured." yes, uh, <laughs> I mean,
0: I just I learned so much, you know, about like, like really myself. Like, I I was being hard on myself for no reason because I did give it everything I had, and yeah. you know, my results yeah. um, weren't they weren't terrible. They just weren't, you know, they weren't as good as you expected right. or wanted. To. And uh, just like. Like, I was like pissed off in training, like disappointed with my lifts, and it was distracting. And like like you said, it's hard to rest when you're like all like tied up in this shit. Yeah. And uh, like hearing him tell me, like, when you're not in the gym, it's time to rest and you have to focus on rest. And when when you do your best at a meet, you know, you have to accept that you did your best, you need to move on. And what it's about yeah. is winning one day and then winning the next day. It's not about, winning the one me and having one off. I me mean, it's about getting better every single day yeah, exactly. and eventually you're exactly. going to make it. You know, if I just focus on this one event, that's already in the past and dwell on it. Go to train pissed off every day. Cause I missed the uh, two snatches at worlds. I'm not getting better at snatching. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting better that day in the gym. I'm just like pissed off, irritated, frustrated, not recovering as well as I should. And I mean, I just, I learned so much about really sports psychology, really. Yeah, like yeah. just, t- yeah. Life psychology, yeah. honestly, and
2: how but, to improve. Because like, think about something like this. Does either one of you guys play golf? Uh, I've no, played a mi- long mini- time Miniature ago. golf? Mini. mini. Yeah, okay, golf. so most people that have any athletic bone in them can make a one-foot putt. And especially if no one watch and you stand, you could probably make 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10. Boom, boom, boom. But then, let's say someone come that you really want to impress and, and you get a little bit nervous, gets a little shaker. Or what if that putt? is in the Augusta National to win, you know, uh, win the golf tournament, yeah. you know, the, you know, at Augusta, you know. Sure. Uh, then it's four million bucks. It's getting the green jacket, <laughs> being famous for life. And I'm standing there and it's still one foot, the same club, the same grass, the same distance. But what's different? It's my mind. Right. Yeah. And so you could do that snatch in practice a hundred times. But then, now it's the world championship. Flashes, (laughs) cameras, expectations, well now you gotta do it. The moment you have expectations, then you're not in the present moment. The moment you start thinking about the outcome, you're no longer in the zone. In that moment, you're not performing as good. Mm -hmm. When I start thinking, my God, if I win this, I get $4 million, I'll be famous forever. Or if I miss now, I'm gonna be the biggest failure in history. I am not present in just doing the putt and think about nothing but doing the yeah. putt because the outside stuff is getting to me. And so even for you, going to the world, it's a good experience because now, what did you learn at the world? Because there was a lot of outside stuff going on. Clean and the shit out of I, at 225 too. I learned to yeah. 225 for sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the more you write down what you learned, the next time, the key is how could I go there again, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, I'm just lifting in the gym at Cal Strength, and this is nothing. Yeah, I think
0: and there's that's what it is is getting to baseline at a competition that ultimately makes you a good competitor. Yeah, if you can go to the competition and lift like you just walked into the gym you train at every day, like you're gonna be successful. You know, even. Like, I just don't see any way to have a bad day if you're just as comfortable as you are in your own gym, yeah. um, because it's it's the weights are the same color and they're the same size and weight. The bar feels the same. The, the color, I mean, all this stuff is very predictable. It's the one foot putt. Um, it's just in a
2: different yeah. venue, at a different place. Even your shoes, your equipment is the same. It's the same the same only shoes. thing that changes is your mind. Mm-hmm. And your thinking, yeah. And so that's how the mind. So yeah. So to me, this, if you think about those Shaolin priests, those black belts in kung fu, those samurais, they practice this way, this way of excellence, and it's a way of holistic sports medicine, but it's also a way of teaching someone how to find harmony in what you're doing, because even though the goal is to win the gold at the Olympics or in the World Championship, that's not the end all. But when you think that's the end all, then you're freaking out, (laughs) thinking about it. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) But but if you just say, hey, I'm committed, I'm training for the Olympics in Tokyo, every day from now on, we're gonna try to be better, I'm gonna eat good, I'm gonna sleep good, I'm gonna take good care of myself, I'm gonna get enjoying it, I'm gonna get into it, and every day, win or lose, whether I make the lift or not, I'm gonna focus on what, I'm going to, what I learn, I'm gonna to talk to Dave and my teammates on how could I adjust this, improve this, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna roll out my trigger points, do my muscles, eat healthy, sleep good, write down what I learned, remember what I learned, and tomorrow I'm gonna to try to do it better. And then the same thing, that same lift, here's the lift at the Olympics, it's the same thing. I'm committed to lift this this thing. I'm gonna get into it. I'm gonna breathe. I'm gonna think about nothing but my breathing, my lifting, and then boom! Suddenly, if you were in the zone the whole time, you made the lift. It's almost like things went in slow motion, and boom! And then you wake up, mm-hmm. and then oh, I made it! And people are going crazy, you know. Yeah, but you have to keep yourself in that zone. Until you finish the lift, you can't think about before or after until you finish that lift. Zone, (laughs) yeah, that's the best best place. Weightlifting is so hard and heavy,
0: (laughs) and like if you can just find your zone and lift, like it gets really, really fun. But think
2: about if you could be in the zone all the time. Be the best, even when you eat. Can you be in the zone when you eat, man? That was something
0: I was going to bring up. So you know, you talk about the importance of being present, right, and all these different factors, whether it's recovery, training uh, nutrition, like in all these areas, we're Mm -hmm. supposed to be present and focused. Um, but we all have these devices in our hands that are sucking our presence away from, you know, whatever the task is all the time, just as people. And I find myself like, maybe it's breakfast and I can't like not scroll through Instagram or not play my little stupid Mm -hmm. uh, game app when I should just like get this food down so I can use it for fuel Mm -hmm. and get to training and have a long warm up. Um, I just get like, just pulled out of it, you know, yeah. or maybe I'm like taking my morning poop and I accidentally play like, and it, and it goes rounds. 30 minutes, <laughs> <A touch laughs> and 30 minutes later, I, my I legs should, are asleep. I should be focused on that poop and get it done <laughs> so I can get to the gym and get the work.
2: But but, but think about this though, because you guys with your business, you do have to do some social media, but there's a time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong playing a video games, but you don't wanna play Call of Duty before you go to bed because adrenaline is gonna come through your ears. It's gonna be hard to go to sleep being that amped up. Yeah. you know. Um, so knowing when to do something is the right thing. But if you think about it, even eating, the Chinese masters say you're supposed to chew the food until you could drink it. And you're supposed to, uh, and then, so by doing that, then you are thinking about chewing your food you're tasting your food, and now the digestion of your food is so much better. But most people are eating the food, watching TV, Tec- doing guilty. things, texting <laughs> yeah. things, rushing the meal because they're gonna go somewhere. And now, that digestion is not in excellence, and that food is not digested as good as you need it you're to. You're not getting and, the, yeah. the same so, amount of
1: nutrients yeah. out of that food, yeah.
2: So there was two Charlene monks that was arguing with each other uh, among whose master was the most enlightened. And the one who won says, My master is more enlightened than yours. When he sleeps, he sleeps, and when he eats, he eats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so simple yet yeah, so difficult uh, for it's some so reason. True and it's so important. <laughs> yeah. Like, like when you're in the gym lifting, like put the phone somewhere and focus on your lifts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're when you're doing therapy. You don't get distracted with like nonsense, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Or when yeah. you're studying, yeah. Yeah. you're studying, you know? Like, yeah. and I just think that like that skill is disappearing. Like, we're just pulling ourselves, yeah. just really. There are thin. just a
1: million distractions right. nowadays, and it's making it. <laughs> And, so and those harder.
2: distractions take us away from it's like basically means that we're constantly multitasking. Yeah. But you know that when you're in the zone, there's no multitasking. Mm-hmm. You're just exactly. thinking about one thing. And I say to some of those people, not, not you guys, you can't do an overhead squat and do your phone at the same time. But you see, at the gyms before <laughs> bodybuilding, people are sitting on their phones while they're working out doing their exercises. Yeah. Some people are even talking to people while they're doing their exercises. <laughs> and I've to say, hey, hey, are you talking on the phone to your buddy when you're making love to your girlfriend? Says, no, I never do that work. Oh, why not? You could get two things done at once. No, 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 I'm, I'm into it. Well, you need to be into your workout. You're making exactly. love to your muscles. Come on, get going. That's you know? yeah. <laughs> true. I mean, yeah, like, it,
1: it's like you forsake both things, right? Like if you're doing them at the same time, they're just both... There's less to them. And,
2: and no, it's 50-50. A... You're not 100%. When yeah. you're in this zone, you're thinking about nothing, what's going on right now. So so that is that moment where your mind gets quiet, you're so locked in, time stops existing, and you're just acting. So like you said, when I'm working with patients or clients, I am so focused at that time, probably 90% present, <laughs> but can I be as present when I'm going home or when I'm doing, that's harder sometimes. Yeah. Now, you probably, when you lift, and it's a heavy lift, you know you cannot be distracted because mm-hmm. if you're distracted, you could hurt yourself. Yeah.
1: I mean, there are times, especially lately, I've been kind of bouncing around on the platforms we use. And you know, there's one platform that faces the extent of the gym. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, we've been having these youth camps, so there's kids in oh, the yeah. gym all the day. Yeah. And sometimes I I try to, like, do the lift when there is a distraction. Yeah. Do the lift when there are f- forty kids walking in front of me because it is just you. Just like we're training the lifts, I'm trying to train my mind to just be train a little more focus. focused. And I've missed a ninety kilo snatch before. Hmm. I missed a one ten kilo snatch yesterday because it's being present is hard, and you yeah. need to practice yeah. doing it. And and yeah. even when there's all these distractions in the middle of the lift, can you focus and can you lock execute in. lock in yeah. and
2: be only doing that yeah. at that moment. I mean, because we live in a time where people are multitasking all the time and they think that that's something to brag about. But but the fact is that anything in life you do in excellence, whether you see a sunset in Yosemite, whether you hear a song that moves you to tears or watch a movie that you get into, whether you're making love to your girlfriend or your wife, whether you are making your personal record lift, you know, in those moments, you are only thinking about that one thing and nothing else. And if you want to get to that point where you operate in that, you have to remove and learn how to block out the distractions because those are the ones that stop you from being the best you could be. Yeah, man, yeah.
1: what if just a just philos philosophical mental stuff. Yeah.
0: So uh, now your uh, your actual your manual therapy because that's what it is. We do we do a lot of psych- psychology and. Yeah. We do. We talk about the mental and the holistic yeah. approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you have probably the most painful therapy I've <laughs> yeah. ever experienced. And yeah. before I, I don't want to. So Just before we, in your nah, yeah, it works. The yeah. thing is, no pain, I'm, no gain. What I've done with Toby, whatever he worked on, is fixed. Like a hundred percent of the time, Toby fixed yeah. it. Like, We're one of
1: the sixteen of the eighteen who walk <laughs> away like I feel better. It hurt. It hurt in the middle of it, but I feel a lot yeah. better right now. So
0: it's such a, it's a really painful experience, but how does it, like what exactly is it? How exactly does it work? And know it's like muscle release, like pressure therapy, but uh, like, can you describe it maybe for like?
2: Yeah, so, so remember we talked about those acupuncture points. So there's 800 listed acupuncture points and they have an anatomical location. And imagine them as being circuit breakers and then you have what's called ashi points ashi points are points that are not listed that could appear anywhere in your muscles or tendons so if you run into something hard and you got a bruised here then you actually develop an ashi points there And as she is Chinese, it actually means, ouch, that's the point when you touch it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay. that makes sense. sense. So so scientific. So so the key is now, so if you imagine the 800 listed points, and if you add all those extra points that could be unlimited, you have over 1,000 or 1,200 points. The key is to find for each individual in each case with each injury where the primary points are. And when you find the primary points, there's going to be a lot of tension there. And when I then find that spot on you and I start working, it hurts like hell when you start. And when you have the first point ever treated, you say, what the fuck are you doing? Stop. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Some people even tried to kick me or hit me and one person <laughs> bit me, you know? <laughs> one person kicked me in the head. <laughs> so, so so, people's first reaction, holy shit. But then it takes about 30 seconds to a minute and most of the points, the pain subsides and go away. Yeah. And I could actually feel how the tension goes away while I work on it. And when the tension goes away, you could at the same time feel the pain subside Mm -hmm. to where eventually it's not painful. The way that point feel at the end when it's not painful is how it should have felt from the beginning Mm -hmm. if there was nothing wrong there. But why would I go and rub on a spot where there's nothing wrong? It would waste your time and my time. So the key is to find the spots where you have the most tension. Because of that, those spots are going to be most sore. So my, my, my challenge lay in finding the right spot for the right person. And then what happens physiologically is I could feel the tension. Now, if we went and did an autopsy of this point, we wouldn't find anything. Maybe we find a little bit of inflammation, but there's nothing physiologically there. Okay. However, if we used an ohm meter that measure electrical resistance, we could find that there's a changed electrical resistance in right. that area. If we use a thermograph, which measures temperature, we could see that it's warmer. There. That's fine. Yeah. If we use a, a Kirlan photograph, which is a photograph which shows heat coming out from areas where there's more heat than less coming from others, you could right. see different colors, we would see that there's a, more a red color or something there. And so... While the point is not physical in nature, because if you cut it open, you won't see anything there. There is a built up of electrical charge in that point. So imagine that circuit breaker, that when I go in there and with friction break it up, and especially if at the same time I'm talking to you about the very thing in your head that is causing this point to go out, Then we're treating your mind and the body at the same time as we're releasing the tension there. We get a release both in your mind and in your body. And I could feel when the tension goes away. And when the tension goes away, the circulation is restored. And when the circulation is restored, then the function is coming back. And so basically, it's a form of depolarization of an area where there's built up tension. And you could literally feel it when it happens it's a it's
0: a crazy feeling because
2: it you know it's kind of like i'm sure most
0: people have had like a tight muscle and when you push on it or you put it on a foam roller or whatever you get like a response so toby like searches and he finds these spots and he he hammers them and right away it's the it's terrible it's it's so painful but like like you said like 30 seconds a minute later you've completely lost that tension and now your full range of motions return, like your your functions returned, your strength in the muscle, mm-hmm. even like like literally when something is like when it's kind of stuck or you know, misfiring or or charged, you know, however you want to say it, once he releases that, now that muscle can contract properly mm-hmm. and like it adds strength back. And it's like it's crazy and it's very unique. But uh I mean Yeah, it isn't
2: just, it's hard to well, describe, it is very hard describe <laughs> because it is it
1: just hurts so bad yeah. and then for like 90 seconds you are to the point of like you're writhing in pain and then it just goes away and it you haven't changed the pressure no. you haven't changed yeah. the cadence at it, which melts. You're, you're, it yeah. just melts it just disappears and yeah. it's like did you just like go lighter but yeah. no you look down yeah. and, and you're just digging your finger into my yeah. leg
0: and the pain's gone yeah, i have like a it, question so like So you'll be like, you've worked on my like foot to quad, like just kind of up the chain. Mm -hmm. Um, So while you're like down at my foot looking for these points, you reach for my hand Mm -hmm. and I hold it up and push into you. And then for somehow that connects you to a spot that hurts like, Fuck on my foot. <laughs> and, and if, it, if this you, is like, if it ruins the treatment, don't tell us. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. no, no. I could. I, it's a distraction?
2: No, that, that is actually something that has come from applied kinesiology. Applied kinesiology is a way of, you heard about kinesiology. Right. So this is basically where you apply the knowledge of kinesiology to what you're doing. And so in applied kinesiology, they do muscle testing. And you could test each muscle to see if they're strong or if they're overstrong. When I say overstrong means they're not really overstrong, but let's say if a person is if you if I tested your deltoid, for example, and push and you could hold it, okay? And then I test your posterior delta and push up. And it's a little bit weaker. Mm-hmm. And you could feel the difference. Now, if I test your anterior deltoid, push up that's solid, I test your posterior deltoid it's a little weak. okay so i know now this one is probably too strong because it's and this one is weak okay but so so that's applied kinesiology it's telling me about those muscles now when this one in the middle seemed to be the one that is probably the normal one i could use that as an indicator and now i could touch different areas on your body But, but, but keep pushing against me and, and when I hit a spot with a reflex point where this tension, <laughs> the arm gets weakened. <laughs> so then I go in there yeah. and, and there's the tension. Yeah, the trap's been <laughs> tight. So, so basically, muscle testing then becomes a feedback on a point finder yeah. because your body is telling me by the muscle going weak when I touch an area where there's tension because it caused almost like a short oh, circuit in your uh, body.
1: Interesting. So, that makes sense. That makes so okay, much I sense. have a random question now. So this video circulated on the internet, I don't know how long ago, but it was like a mobility seminar. And this guy was trying to get into a deep squat and his he had the butt wink, his tailbone was rounding under, he had a little bit of valgus collapse of the knee. And then this, uh, the whoever was running the seminar, just kind of pressed on his jaw mm-hmm. and found some pressure point in his jaw and somehow that opened up his hips and allowed him to squat better. Is that just bullshit? Or is there something to actually like, well, is there some kind of uh, so, point so, in so the jaw? I, I, that I, could, I
2: could give an, an answer. It could be a long answer and a short answer. The long answer, I don't know if you have time with, but I'm gonna to try to give a short answer. So the jaw is in the brain you know how there's nerve endings, there's certain parts of your brain which gov- govern certain parts of your body, okay? okay? So for example, if you take your hands, which has very fine motoric and have a lot of feelings, there's a bigger part of the brain with nerve endings to that mm-hmm. because of all the fine. The jaw happened to be the same thing, because the how something that has to do with where the nerve endings cross and so a lot of people have what's called tmj problems where the jaw is popping or clicking or hurting and and i don't work that much with it because i think it's a little sketchy but it is true that if he found an area where this person had some problems with his jaw and he pushed on it while this person was performing the squat, uh, then that can change things and function in the body. However, the guy can't have someone standing and pushing on his jaw every time he's squatting. (laughs) And so whatever he pushed on there was some kind of a reflex point that the body responded to. That reflex points have to be corrected permanently uh, he was just basically demonstrating something. Right, yeah. You know, you might have seen people doing where they do muscle testing, the test how someone is strong and they have them take some sugar in the mouth and then they, whoosh, the arm just drop. Yeah. Uh, same thing. It, it's not like if people eat sugar, they're going to fall to the ground in weakness. But the muscle test now is asking a question, you're strong. Then I introduce a stimuli, whether I push on your jaw touch your upper trap or have you take sugar Mm -hmm. it's a form of outside stimuli and that tests you how you respond to that stimuli you see what i'm saying if that stimuli is not good for you if there's something wrong there that arm will drop Mm -hmm. but it's not like if i eat sugar i'm gonna collapse and i can't stand (laughs) up because it's like almost like if you imagine that you have a power outage and the light goes off for five seconds 10 seconds but then the emergency generator comes up and light comes back on yeah so that short time when you introduce that stimuli you could measure how the body respond to that stimuli whether it was touching here here or putting sugar in the mouth or thinking about you suck your lift yesterday <laughs> you see what <laughs> yeah, i'm saying yeah because i could basically have you think about something that is upsetting and i could test you and if it is truly upsetting you can't then, hold your. Yeah you know interesting and so it's basically asking the body a question and that's what applied kinesiology is it's asking testing the muscles and then introducing different stimuli either by touching reflex points touching vertebras, introducing nutrients or vitamins introducing thought concepts and then see how the body responds to those mm. because the body doesn't like gives you feedback however sometimes it's hard to get answers that are true because what if at the same time i'm tasting the sugar i keep thinking about that i'm so much in love and i met this girl what will that Cancel the result on the sugar because I just happened that thought at the same time. So I also feel like if
1: you know what the test is, I'm just going to focus more on pushing my arm up. And
2: some people use the muscle testing to almost like a dog and pony show to prove something. You've seen those people where people stand in the mall. Hey, put those soles in your shoes. So put this bracelet on you. Oh, see, I can't push you over. Let's take the bracelet. Oh my God, you can't stand up (laughs) without this bracelet. I'm going to have to wear this bracelet for the rest of my life. And people walk around (laughs) with that bracelet, you know. Yeah, but. Once they've had the bracelet on for 30 seconds or a minute or five minutes, you could still push them over. Yeah. <laughs> it's just showing that that bracelet have some positive effect on them, but it's not the answer to all things. Right. And pushing on the jaw is not going to fix this guy's hips and, and his his knee Imbalances in his squat, yeah. right, you know, permanently. Yeah. Placebo effect has been proven to work. That's <laughs> oh, true. Sure. That is so, true. No, but, but 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 think about that. Why are we so against placebo? Because what if believing in something is the only thing that works?
0: You definitely have to believe something works for it to work. Yeah. If you're like, like if you go if in you with fight a it hard attitude, enough, yeah, yeah, you can make it not work.
2: If, if so, we have come to universally accept that uh, antibiotics is working and we expect it to work. And and of course, antibiotics have also in in experiments, they put mold on bacteria and they're dying. Something is happening, okay? But what if I was so dead set that antibiotics was bad for me, gave me a yeast infection and it it makes my stomach upset? And they're going to give me antibiotics. I don't want to take it because I don't believe it's going to help quite possibly they might not work because I so strongly believe they're not gonna help. And in that case then, the belief system works. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, in in other words, and so here's what's so funny. In medicine, they wanna do double blind study, which means, hey, I'm gonna give you a medication or a supplement, and we're gonna see if it has an effect. But you don't know if you get the right one or not, And I don't know if I'm giving you the right one or not. (laughs) And then we're going to see if it works. works. Do do you know that all the drugs they're doing, (laughs) I mean, about percentage of stuff really, really (laughs) work? I mean, to take away the whole idea, we don't want you to get something to work because you believe in it, when maybe believing in it is the most important thing. Yeah. One time, and this is a funny story, one time back in 1987. I was invited to the 49ers. I did a demonstration on Charles Haley, and I was trying to talk to the trainer about working for them. And the team doctor was there observing me. He was I'm not going to say his name right now because it's probably not a good thing. But, but <laughs> after the session, he told me, hey, you're very charismatic. And he said, maybe your patients get better because they believe in you. I said, well, I don't know, but if they do get better, I don't think they care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Isn't the result I mean, the most important mean, Sometimes part? that might be the case. I mean, if it was the opposite, that they didn't believe in yeah. me, would anyone get
1: better? Right. It could be the best medicinal, like, <laughs> yeah. the best manual therapy. And
0: if they didn't believe in you, and there's it didn't really work. no
2: side effects in believing in something yeah. if it worked. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah well, there's enough uh, research with. Uh of massage therapies, and uh, I thought yeah. the stuff you do it is yeah. definitely that's. There's no placebo to the
2: oh of the course. psychology and of the, the muscle work. That, mm-hmm. that but you could, do, you could but, go to ten massage therapists; they're not all the same. Yeah, and if that person make you believe that they know what they're doing, and think about this: you've been in pain in your wrist, and I find a spot, and it hurts like hell. And think, what the heck are you doing? And I keep cranking on it, and then I start feeling better and then you move a little bit better. Oh. And then I find another one, and that hurt like hell, but you know, the last one got better, so you kind of toughen it up. And then that pain gets better, and it moves a little bit better. Isn't this mean that now you start believing more and more yeah. in what I'm doing? And now I'll keep does coming does does, does yeah. doesn't, <laughs> doesn't this mean now that you're believing in it more and more and yeah. more? And yeah. then what was that made you better? Was it the fact that I released 15 points that all hurt like hell, and with each one you moved a little bit better? Or was it the fact that you start believing, wow, he gets this stuff better. Maybe I could get
0: better. Yeah, maybe it does feel better. Or yeah, yeah, there yeah. was another thing, you know, I couldn't sit there and talk to you without messing with my wrist. Like I constantly was yeah. putting pressure, working yeah, on it. You were it, obsessing Pushing the it. scar. And you're like, hey, when you leave here, I don't want you to touch the wrist anymore. Like I want you to like do some work, do your stretches. But when you're done stretching, move on. Should be done. Like be done with that. Yeah. That leaves your mind. You don't need to think about it. And I, I just listened. So, you know, when I was sitting on the couch, I had that urge to like, you know, mess with my wrist, like work it out. I was like, no, I'm going to let it relax and heal. Sure. And, you know, one, it's mental because it takes that stress and it relieves it. I'm not stressed about my wrist at this time and I'm not going to work on it. But two, there's muscles in there. And if I'm sitting there pissing them off <laughs> all day long, yeah. they're yeah. never going to yeah. feel like they're yeah. better. Yeah. So I let the professional do my muscle, my tissue work. And once teach you're gone, me what to do? You're done. In between time, yeah. Unless and listen, then it worked. I and guess. a lot of
2: people don't listen. You'd be surprised how many of that. Because think about this: it's called conditioned response. I get people sometimes they can't move their arm, and then after treatment, and they're like this oh what the heck <laughs> and they start doing this I said hey, hey 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 that's okay stop it don't look for it if you're looking for it long enough you're going to find it you're it. trying to hey, find yeah. where well, it if hurts you look, if you look just hey, yes, leave it alone go home do your exercises don't obsess about it because you have such a conditioned response. when I move it there, it's going to hurt well it's not hurting anymore <laughs> why not like, why oh, doesn't oh, it hurt oh there hurt? is, oh, there, there is. Ah, ah I know it's going <laughs> to come back <laughs> I said to people hey it's good now. Leave it. Do your exercises. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Let it settle. You know, <laughs> <laughs> don't pick on it, you know? So like you treat,
0: you treat a lot of high level athletes with this stuff. Like, yeah. you know, professional football players, our yeah. combat UFC. Guys. Uh, you got a hockey team you work with. I don't know if you want to. Sharks. Yeah, we can yeah, mention yeah, that. I've done ahead. that
2: for 20 years. The is- Sharks, I've worked with them for 20 years. And, uh, you got an MMA fighter
0: that you're a yeah, big fan Nate Diaz,
2: of. Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, Gilbert, um, I I I mean I worked with a whole bunch of other uh, BJJ um, you know tons of other fighters I don't want to leave anyone out. Um, Can you tell about
0: it, the scar the the eye the eye cut you had to work on on uh, Yeah 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 oh, yeah yeah. He was not
2: happy with that. <laughs> well, what what Nate has had his eye open up so many times, so the scar tissue there, and that means the tissue gets harder and harder and harder, and which means that. He's going to get hit, he's going to open up. Right. Like he said himself, as knees I bleed. But he also says he bleed doesn't, uh, blood doesn't hurt, you know. Yeah. But yeah. if they're going to stop the fight, they're going to stop the fight, you know. And so uh, there was a number of treatments he was doing, and I, I can't really go into the other treatments, but my job of it was to loosen up adhesions and scar tissue to make it softer. So in the hopes of that, of course, we don't know because they haven't been tested yet. Is to get it not to open up when he yeah yeah
0: that's
2: pretty cool yeah I just remember walking in seeing him on the toughest
0: dude maybe in the whole planet absolutely
2: well Nate is the toughest person I ever worked on um I'm telling you in in the second McGregor fight I swear I think he had probably a broken rib before the fight and a torn meniscus but he's never gonna come up with any excuses, he's never gonna throw in the towel, he's never gonna, because he wants to be the BMF fighter, and a BMF fighter is never gonna complain and come up with any excuses. And even for this last fight too, um, he had had an injury, but he's not gonna complain, he's not gonna say anything, and he's just gonna fight, and he couldn't move fast enough but I think he was still wearing that guy down. And in the third round, the guy was just huffing and puffing and Nate was talking to him and asking him where he was and he knew he was gonna have him, but then they called the fight. Yeah, you know? kinda, and, yeah, and, and, right. and I think personally, uh, I think uh, he was set up to lose uh, because Nate is a rebel and he say what he thinks and he doesn't take any BS. Yeah. And I think they, they don't, they, he's like, Nate is like this chick. He he is so good for the sport because he brings in all his followers that love him. He means what he say. He say what he mean. And he never quit. He puts on a good fight. Mm-hmm. So they want that. What they don't want is that he's going to say whatever he thinks and he's going to call them <laughs> on their bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not going to play along and just yeah. do whatever they say. Yeah. So it's kind of like that crazy chick that gives you crazy good sex that you can't stay away from, <laughs> but, but, but it's going to create some drama. But I love Nate because he says what he means and he means what he says. And so I told both Nate and Nick this. I said, hey, listen, dude, I don't think if there's ever a fight when it's going to go to decision, I don't think you're going to win. Because they're not yeah. going to vote for yeah. you. You yeah. have to take them out. There's yeah. no other way. Yeah. And they know it too. Yeah. They know it, but they don't they don't care. So you know? tough. And so, yeah. so he had a fight just three months before his eye opened up. Yeah. And the doctor that put him together was the same doctor that put him together in Madison Square Garden yeah. afterwards. Yeah. And the doctor says, there's no way that cut is going to stay open for in three months where you get hit. Yeah. And then they put the fight in New York where they have a different, when they have less tolerance for blood, when they have an athletic commission that is not going to take it. And they get a doctor that's notorious for calling the fight. Yeah. So, well, I am convinced that even though Nate took a beating, if he had had much, two more rounds, he would have destroyed that. He'd that, had
0: that belt. Yeah. He,
2: he would have destroyed him, but they wouldn't let him fight. Yeah. And like he said afterwards, what kind of a BMF fight is this when you call the fight because one guy is bleeding when he wants to fight? Yeah, yeah. it's a you fight. Know? Come on. Yeah.
1: What's the B- it's, a,
0: it's a bad motherfucker fight. Yeah. 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 For, yeah. for those BMF. of you Absolutely. who don't no. know, BMF. <laughs> That was, they had a belt on the line. that
2: yeah. said BMF yeah. on the front. Nate, Nate, Nate even said because the Rock was there to hand out the belt, and he's from Miami and he was all buddy buddy with, oh, with Masvidal. Oh. And Nate said, What the heck do you have the Pebble handing out the belt for? He says, <laughs> If it's going to be the BMF fight, you should have Mike Tyson or someone. Hand out the belt. I mean, <laughs> Tyson's fighting again. Yeah. Do yeah. you see that? No. Mike Tyson's going <laughs> to yeah. fight. He's training. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, September, I think. <laughs> Roy Jones. Jr.? But but, yeah. but I thought that was so great because because and so in the press conference, which of course they don't show on TV, all the journalists love it because it's just calling it the way it is. Yeah. You know? it sure and pissed, and, yeah. and 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 I love that guy. He's never gonna stop. I mean uh you know, that's the greatness. He's the toughest one. You're probably the strongest one I ever worked on. And and I could take lists of people, you know, there's some people that are, you know. I'm definitely not the toughest. <laughs> <laughs> <Ryan in laughs> Chris, Christian McCaffrey McCaff- is the most dedicated one ever, you know. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting because each one of you is teaching me something. That's what this way of excellence is because I love working with someone like that and figuring out how they work, how they tick, and, yeah. and learning. I'm learning as much as I'm trying to teach them stuff too. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's cool. Christian McCaffrey,
0: you saw he hit the 99 on the Madden, right? I know. I know. Man, it must be kind of cool to know you had your hands on a Madden well, 99. Yeah.
2: You know, and I, and I don't see with all of this, I don't want to take personal credit in all of this because I think anything great that comes of those treatments is when I'm in the zone, and when I'm in the zone, great ideas and concepts just come to you. And right. the moment I think it's about me or I, then I lose the whole thing. So I, I am just grateful to have had that opportunity because as much as I enjoy working with Christian and I learned, I'm sure he learned stuff too, as we worked, uh, but, but Christian, when he came out, uh, you know, he should have won that uh, Heisman Trophy. I mean, he, he destroyed was so good. In, in the Rose Bowl. He destroyed Barry Sanders' record. He, I mean, there was no question. So good. but he Thank didn't win it because of East Coast bias. And then when he came out, people were saying, "Oh, he's white, he's slow, he's not going to make it." I said to people when come, "You watch. If he's not injured, that guy's going to go in the Hall of Fame." They said, "Oh, no way. Now he's a white running back. That's not going to work. Trust me, that guy never stops." and he wants to be better every single day. I just heard from one of his friends, uh, Joey, Joey Alfear, he said, Christian said, he's in his life's best shape. Oh, f- holy shit, you guys watch <laughs> out. Yeah. If he's healthy, there's nothing that's gonna stop that guy because he has the motor, he does not stop. He wants to get better every day, he wants to get better. That's every a perfect
0: day. example of, kind of what we started with. Like He hit the 99 rating on Madden, the highest you can be on this video game. He's the, the ultimate athlete. Um, according to, to Madden, yeah. yet he's still grinding yeah. every single
2: day. Oh my and God. hungry and working. He, he will never stop. That's the reason why that my second book, The Way of Excellence, he's on the cover. Yeah, Because to me, working with him, it was so inspiring to see someone who had that drive. And people say, well, he had great genetics or he had good parents. Or, or, no, that guy was up 5 a.m. They had morning practice at 5 a.m., and for four years when he was there, he never lost one single morning practice against any single person. He was an honor student at Stanford. That guy never, ever stopped. And, and uh, he, no matter what you say, that guy worked hard and he's still working hard every day. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's and so successful. when yeah. you have, and there's a few athletes, Michael Jordan, um, who I haven't worked on, but Jerry Rice, who I worked on, those two people they have talent, but then they have that drive where they want to get better every day. Yeah. And they never, ever, ever want to stop. And it's almost awe-inspiring to see how they they never stop. They just keep coming, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. if
0: you know, it doesn't matter. You got the best genetics, be the greatest talent on the planet, but if you don't put it to work, eventually yeah. you're going to run out of yeah esteem like you know whether it's talent school, can only college, take you so far yeah eventually someone's gonna outwork you that's also talented yeah, yeah. and that's where yeah. you get that's where it stops
2: but at the end of the day you're gonna look yourself in the mirror and says did i do everything i could and did i do my best yeah. if you can and say yes I, to yeah, that yeah Ugh. and and, the, and every day of course it's a new day you start over again every day you start over every day don't, if you repeat the same mistake you did yesterday, it's insanity to keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcomes. You adjust, you commit, you compete, you learn, you recover. You adjust, you commit, you compete, you learn, you recover. It's a never-ending purpose, striving for excellence in whatever you do. So um, when I, uh, I do some like,
0: coaching, some training on the side of my weightlifting, and um i guess as i got more serious and older and more into my training and like doing as much as i can to be the best i could be um people that were less driven um it was it got tougher for me to give them everything you know mm-hmm. like i would find myself like trying to give my all to the ones that wanted that mm-hmm. wanna be the best you know what i mean so like when mm-hmm. someone was really driven It made me invest more than I had trouble investing in the less driven people. Um, Do you you feel that in your practice? No, for sure.
2: For sure, some people that come in, they don't listen, they don't learn, they don't do what I say, but they like for me to remove their pain and they keep coming (laughs) back. And so I keep telling people, hey, you could come back and you could pay me 150 bucks, gonna hurt like hell, and and you're gonna waste time and you're gonna waste money, or you could do what I'm telling you and mm-hmm. learn. But there are some people that won't do it. And yes, I do lose some because how could I be fully invested in something if they're not fully invested? Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, it, it's a lot more rewarding when you work with someone, like when the combine is here. Yeah, because you have three months of guys being. I have three months to be the best I could be. Yeah, They are locked in more so than most people in three months. Now, but imagine if someone was locked in their whole life, like Christian McCaffrey or yeah. Jerry Rice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not three months. This is, I'm going to freaking be locked yeah, like in forever. A day, yeah. And and I bet you the day when he stopped playing football, he'll just be locked in on something else and he's going to do the best he can he'll in be that. be successful yeah. no matter what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's one of those lessons that uh, you can learn in sports that is very applicable to anything yeah, yeah, if for you sure. just learn to work hard at something and achieve uh, at a high level yeah um and it's you just, anyway. just kind of you figure that like if I work at this then I get better at this if you just figure yeah. that out now yeah. you apply that to every single thing in your life and it will always work and I feel like that's like the ultimate success story of like youth athletics yeah yeah, teaching teach someone that. how to values play. life values yeah yeah
2: which is unfortunate now it's going so that everyone get a trophy and and you can't be too competitive anymore then we kind of trying to tell everyone, There's nothing wrong with losing if you teach people to learn from it. And the fact is that everyone is not meant to be in one certain sport because some have more gifts than others. But you find your area because every single person, whether it's art, music, sports, they find their area where they are good and then they commit to mastery of this like the bonsai tree and they tell themselves, I'm just going to do this because I love this and I'm going to do this as long as I can. It's going to take me as far as I could go.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the best lessons are learned uh, in your losses, too, especially like, oh, well, especially yeah. team sports. Like if, you know, if you don't keep score and you just play a game for an hour and a half and then it's over and, you, you know, everybody gets team cokes and trophies or whatever. Um, or slices. You never learn like you need to you almost need to feel that like disappointment when you lose and when you're not good enough that way you know how to respond to that yeah because in life at some point you're going to be disappointed and you might not be good enough and you know are you going to have learned that this is when i double down on myself i work Work harder and i push and then i can earn this thing that i want or you know or get this job or or you know make this money for this whatever it is anything you know if you don't experience that loss and learn how to respond to losing, um you're not gonna ever win. Mm -hmm. You know, and but but even think
2: about this. Let's say you go to the Pan Americans. Yeah. And let's say that you have a sucky competition um but you still win because everyone else just dropped or have failed lifts or whatever. You get the gold medal but you were way below. Or you go to the another championship or to the Pan Americans. And you set personal records in everything you do and you come in second and third. Yeah. Which one would you prefer to suck and perform poorly and win? Or to do your personal best and compete on the highest level of your life and come in second or third?
0: I don't the competition of a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Those yeah. the, those those easy the cakewalk wins or like just like no, I mean yeah. well, the kind so of it doesn't mean mean anything. Yeah. No,
2: no, because it's like a skier that's, scared. hey, I never fall. I'm going on the blue rides all the time. I'm just taking it easy. Yeah. I never fall. I never fall. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not challenging yourself. You're right. getting any better. Mm-hmm. What, what, how fun is it in that? You're yeah. not growing. You're not challenging yourself. See, that's the whole thing. The word compete, if you look up in the dictionary what the meaning of, in Webster's, what the meaning of compete, it says to strive for something that is desired. You strive to win. It's not about winning. It's striving to win. Mm-hmm. And when you strive to win, then you're in the zone because you're competing. You're doing the best you can. You're into it. You enjoy it. You're not thinking about winning because the moment you start thinking about winning, you're not in the zone anymore. Yeah. You're not here. You're losing it. Yeah. And if you start thinking about losing or, or, or pressure or expectations, you're lost that moment being in that zone. So striving, competing is doesn't mean winning. It means strive. For something as desired, strive to get better. Strive to get challenged. Strive to have fun. Strive to win. It's the journey, not the destination. Yeah, when you have yeah. that
0: ultimate preparation, yeah. and like, and it leads to the like, the just the best you've ever competed, your best performance ever. Like that's gonna, like that's gonna be way more satisfying than yeah. winning the, a local meet, an easy and, little yeah. title. Yeah,
2: because you really only compete with yourself if you think about it.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah, I think ultimate knowledge bombs yeah. that entire just <laughs> everything. Yeah. So um, if anyone is looking to learn more about you, you have two books out. Where can yeah. they find it?
2: Uh they could go on Amazon. Uh one of them is called The Four Seasons Way of Life. And the other one is called uh, Athletes Way of Excellence. And then with me, then Toby Hanson, Toby with an E and Hanson is with an O. Um, they could also go to my website, which is tobyhanson.com um, and they could read about things and uh, yeah. Cool. And impressive. Toby, thanks for coming uh, on thanks. so much oh, for a oh, treat. One more thing. They could also go to my website and they could see the, uh, the video I did with uh, Dave and the, the combine. Virus, which is about the same topic the way oh, of yeah, excellence yeah. so on the on my website on the speaking page uh, there's a picture of me in and dave spitz california strength and uh, there's a first a preview there's 30 seconds and then there's a one hour and 20 minutes video they could watch too about this yeah awesome yeah, well, Toby, thanks so much for uh, hanging you. out with us. Anything and, before we close? Yeah, you get anything? No, um, this was fun. Yeah, you yeah. never know what's gonna come <laughs> up. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> whatever comes up <laughs> comes up. It's all unscripted, <laughs> yeah. it does, which is great. That's it's good. being in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were literally in the zone. Yeah. We, had, Perfect. we had none of this was scripted. None of this was rehearsed. It just whatever came up came up. Yeah, that's yeah. great. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks. thanks. Yeah, that was fun. Thank you.